What's up, yo? Thanks for tuning in Asian Bitches Down Under, the podcast all about sharing information and perspectives from the Asian diaspora point of view in society and culture. We encourage you to subscribe to our show by Apple, Google or Spotify or any podcast platform of your choice. And we welcome our listeners to support our show by sending us comments, give us review and share our podcast with your fellow podcast lovers. Make sure you check out the episode's show notes for any collaborations we are working with to promote. Thanks again and we hope you enjoy today's show. Hey all, this is Jessie. Hi, this is Helen. And we are Asian Bitches Down Under. It is Chinese New Year week coming up. Sorry, I'm always PCing wrong. It's Lunar New Year now. Yeah, Lunar New Year. Lunar New Year. Self-correct. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, my God. So terribly hot today. And I I just had, like, the hot ramen. Did you? (laughs) Yeah, actually, that's so weird. I'm sweating like a pig now. Yeah, I I also feel like... um, I feel like mian mm. as well for some weird reason, but noodles, I feel like yeah. yeah, I feel like noodles. But I feel like I also need to be more healthy because yesterday, um, for Invasion Day, we just like literally we had like kebabs for dinner and then um, but what did we have? <laughs> oh, we had Hungry Jacks. Oh yeah. And I just felt so bad, and I was like, okay, I better have, I better like just give myself one splurge day, and then the, and then just like forgive myself for that splurge. But um. But what does your body feel like? Oh yeah, that's true. Yesterday I did feel like chips uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> and burgers. Yeah, I think it's hard to kind of limit the type of things that you want to eat because sometimes uh, your body is craving for certain food, and you're like, yeah, it's not healthy, but um, who cares? <laughs> it's just once for once a month or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, well, let's launch into what we looked at this week um, mm-hmm. in terms of just books we've read or movies we've seen. Um, I've had quite a, a busy week, so I haven't had the chance to do kind of the things that I would personally like to look at. So, Helen, okay. let's throw it to you. Um, what, what would you like to mention for this week? Okay, so I'm still reading Woman Eating by Claire Conda. Sorry, mm-hmm. um, I'm almost to the end of the book. I think I mentioned it last week, so there's not much for me to talk about that book anymore. I quite enjoy it. Um, like I said before, it's not something that I would usually pick because it's a vampire genre. Media-wise, I haven't been watching any movies, but... My husband and myself, we've gone back to watch Lost in Space, which is a space genre um, space genre series on Netflix. Mm. I didn't think that I would enjoy it as much as I expected because um, space genre is always something that I thought was really boring. I was, never, I was never into the space genre, but I think the new version of Lost in Space, because it's like a remade of like a 70s, um, TV drama. Yeah, it has a lot more strong female characters. Oh, awesome! And that's something that I wasn't really expected. And also, not like sometimes we, when we talk about female strong female characters, we kind of think about women who, who are in their mature age. Mm. Um, you know, in the recent years, we've seen what's the name Michelle Yao that has taken up like a role in Star Trek as a captain. Oh right! But in Lost in Space, this modern version, they have like I, I don't want to call them kids, but because they're not kids anymore, they're like teenagers, and I, mm. I feel like teenagers nowadays they're a lot more mature than most adults because they're very progressive, they're yeah. very forward thinking, and they're very very intelligent yeah so the mm. so i really enjoy watching this one because there are a couple of super super clever female characters and my favorite character if anyone's watching my favorite character is judy because i can feel i can relate to her because she's like the eldest daughter and there's a part this is in right. season three yeah. now and so you see the whole family and the colony of a human who is trying to like travel to another universe um, to kind of 
not a immigrant to another place. Yeah. And Judy, she's like 20 year old. She's a doctor and she's so clever. She does everything. She's like fix everything and she's the one who always um, calms everyone. She's always the one who taken upon the huge responsibility, which is like I never really do it, but um, I feel like she's always want to establish herself to the person that her mom wants her to be and mm. where we see in season three that she really opens up when she, they're in a chaos that she's trying to save her mom and her mom's like saying that you're injured just leave me just go but her response is that no i, I i'm here because i need to live up to that your expectation it's mm-hmm. so sad. It's it's a bit similar to what we spoke about in Kanto, Louisa in Encanto. Mm. Yeah. Uh, she's the eldest daughter and she she felt like she's had she always had a very heavy burden because she's the eldest. Yes. She needs to um put up that kind of um how do I explain responsibilities it? given to it's her. It's kind of that imi- responsibility and also the images for her younger siblings. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would hate to be the eldest daughter. Now, I'm um, speaking <laughs> of, of duties. Um, we're going to launch straight into today's topic of zodiac signs since it is coming up to the Lunar New Year. And um, what I've really noticed why we're addressing this topic today is a lot of people don't actually know what a lot of the signs mean. And um, in the West especially, people know about astrolo- astrology, like, mm-hmm. you know, um, Scorpio, Leo, all that crap. Um <laughs> And uh, but but uh, yeah, um, with um, the Chinese Lunar New Year calendar and you know the you know um, that kind of culture, there's uh, 12, 12 basic basically twelve animals around the zodiac calendar, which Helen's now going to mm-hmm. explain. Yeah, so we grew up listening to the story of twelve animals uh, zodiac in the Chinese folktale. So apparently, in ancient China, there was. Um, a competition held, like a racing competition held for all the animals that they can be represented in the heaven. You know, it's like a symbolism for the heaven. So the older animals in the kingdom, they started. Um, I think it was like the the it was it was told that the race would start at the first year. Oh, sorry, the first day of the new year. So mm-hmm. a lot of animals prepare themselves at the New Year's Eve. Some would try to get as close as possible to the starting line. Some would like kind of train themselves before the the race began. So it's it's a race basically. So at the end, we came down to twelve animals that represents. I don't know quite sure know sure know why is it twelve. I'm assuming that it is like. 12 months as well mm-hmm. um, but 12 animals represents like every animal represents a year um, like I sometimes I think why do people rely so heavily on Chinese zodiacs you know some it's funny that I see some Asian parents maybe not now but in our previous generation they even refuses to feed the meat of their children's zodiac um one example oh, is that okay, i always had that one of our cousins in taiwan because he was born in the year of sheep he was barred from eating lamb mutton or sheep because just 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 to clarify helen um what year is that can you tell people uh the, the year of the sheep one, it's 19 sheep. something something yeah, the earliest one that I've got is 1955. So, so you just minus or plus 12 years. Yeah, so if it you goes were born, into a cycle. Yeah. Yep, so 1955 plus 12 is 1962. Sorry, 1967. 1967. So if you were born in 1967, yeah. you're also a, a sheep. If you're a 1979, you're a sheep. So every 12 years, basically. So I'm 1987, so I'm a rabbit. Helen, yes. what are you? You're 1981, so I'm a you're a rooster. A rooster, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, if you were born in 1988, you're a dragon, um, yeah. and so on and so forth. Yeah, that's right. So, what yeah. animals are you going to look at today, Helen? So, we'll look at the first six animals. Um, before we start, I think the importance of the zodiac for many Chinese cultures is like um, 
besides that, it, because it, it develops like a different personality trait that resembles the animals, so people feel relate to it. But in general, that the zodiac may provide also provide a guidance on how people live their lives, how to conduct their behaviors. You know, it's a kind of like a fortune telling kind of practice. Yeah. Okay. So let's start with the first one, the winner of the race,、uh, which is rat, or you know, sometimes we call them the mouse. Yeah.、Uh, start from the year of nineteen forty-eight. If you were born in the year of nineteen forty-eight, you can plus or minus twelve years from there. And you're also a rabbit. I mean, sorry, roaster,、um, rat, rat. Yeah. So nineteen eighty. I think Kevin was. Our brother Kevin is also yeah, a rat. Yeah, our brother Kevin is. What is he? Nineteen eighty-three or four? He's eighty. I think it's eighty-four. Eighty-four. Yeah. 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 Okay. So should I, I'll start first? Yeah.、Um, and and you'll need to. Yeah, go on. People born in the year of rat have strong sense of self-esteem. They don't allow others to see when they're defeated or feeling down. They prefer to give rather than receive in relationships. So that's why they might feel less impact when they're dumped. I don't know if that's true. Oh my god, that is so true about our brother. As in, like my brother is like a hundred percent a giving person, a giver. Yeah, seriously, a hundred percent a giver. Yeah. And the strengths of for the people who are born in the year of rats are they have high concentration at work. They're very articulate and well coordinated. They're very kind to people, considerate for others. They're very adaptive to you know any environment and makes friends easily. They're very sensitive, sometimes slightly introvert, and they treat people with passion.、Mm. Uh, they are usually good observers and they have good organized、uh, and rational thinking. However, their weaknesses, <laughs> their fear of troublesome,、uh, you know, matters. They are very doubtful and perhaps sometimes conservative, and also sometimes they can be short-sighted on some certain perspectives. As in,、mm. I, I guess it's like a bit narrow-minded sometimes.、Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, the next one, the next animal. Do you want to tell us? Oh, okay. Yeah, an ox. So, um, I know an ox, and、uh, the ox is tended to be someone who's like very hardworking,、mm-hmm. um, and very laborious. Um, people in the um born in the year of the ox, nineteen forty nine, and twelve years subsequently, um, they like apparently they like the skills to express themselves. Um, they can often. Um, perceive people. Other people can often perceive them as cold or lacking of humor.、Um, they're mostly introverted, yet they reserve their deep passion heart for the that they do preserve the deep、um, thoughts and、uh, ideas for those closest to them.、Uh, their strengths include hard work and strong motivation to progress. They're honest. They're practical. They take upon responsibility, and they're very good at enduring through things, which I think I just think all women do because、um, culturally we're <laughs>、yeah. put that way. Um, they have a high sense of justice and fairness.、Uh, they're very frugal and they're no- very knowledgeable about、um, budgeting and this.、Um, very good at maintaining kind of this idea of sustainability, which I think is really important. Their weaknesses, on the other hand,、um, sometimes they can be stubborn and hard to communicate,、um, and they can kind of only accept their own opinion. Now, all of this is just so freaking on the ball with the person I know, who's also Knox, <laughs> and she was born in nineteen eighty-five.、Um, and but but the thing is, like we always just like the kind of astrology signs, we always just look. To we 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 read about these traits and we're like oh yeah of course the person I know ex- who also has these traits it's just like selective I guess selective hearing you know、mm-hmm. we just、yes. kind of、um, accept all those things that、um, confirmation、you、bias、pick. is basically、yeah. what this is yeah and、um, because you know、um, obviously just because you're born in the same year doesn't mean you're all going to be the same so that's right yeah but it's interesting yeah and the and the next、um, animal after the ox is the tiger which is our year this year twenty twenty two yes、um, so starting from the year of nineteen fifty plus and minus twelve years from there so essentially in the east you know tiger symbolizes power passion and very daring taking like taking risks、uh, people who are born in the year of tiger are usually rebellious enjoys attention. So、uh, the strengths are they're very straightforward, they're ambitious, and very courageous in exploring new things. Very passionate, high in self confidence, full of justice, and enjoying helping others. However, with their weaknesses,、um, they're easily manipulated by emotion. I don't know if whether or not that's a weakness. I think 
if you're because um, I translate this from like a Chinese article. Yeah. I think emotion it's something that's human, so I don't think yeah. that's a weakness. Yeah, um, I agree. However, they sometimes can be very uh, they're high in self ego, as in I guess they're very um, I, like I say in the before they're attention seeking and right, right, a bit more self centered. Right, interesting. Yeah. I, I don't actually know any tigers, do you? Yeah, I don't know any tigers either. Yeah. So if you're one of the tigers, you know, let us know do those traits, you know, kind of apply to you. you. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. the next one is my, uh, my <laughs> your... zodiac animal, which I've always been kind of like, I shrug my shoulder to because a rabbit for me is just like a cute little u- useless animal. I, sh- I know I shouldn't <laughs> say that. They're not useless. They're cute. But like it's kind of like oh, a rabbit, okay, well, like they're so boring. They're, what do they do? They just hop around, you know, and look cute. Um, but anyway, the rabbit, um, according to zodiac um, Chinese zodiac sign, they signify mercy, elegance, kindness, and beauty, none of which I have. Oh, you have um, all of them. Oh, no, I don't. Um, uh, <laughs> thank you, though. People who are born in this year of the rabbit are gentle, which I'm not, and low-key, which I'm not. <laughs> they prefer to stay in the environment that are peaceful, quiet, and undisturbed. Okay, that is totally me. I yeah. hate noise so much. Uh-huh. Rabbits love arts. Um, uh, that's true. And have a strong sense of critical thinking, which is true for me. Yeah, yeah. see? There you go. <laughs> Um, So their strengths include they're gentle, kind, optimistic, and sensitive with emotions. They're charismatic and articulate. They consider it towards others. They're elegant, which is like the last... It's so beyond me. Um, And they watch out for details. I'm not very detail-oriented. They know when to compromise, and they do not like conflicts, which I think is generally um, applicable to everyone. And that is true of myself. Uh, weaknesses. They can sometimes be moody and easily be impatient, which is, like, so true. I'm the most impatient person in the world. <laughs> and um, they're into, apparently, va- they're quite vain sometimes. Yeah, I guess that's which a sign you, of, like, yeah. a trait of beauty if you're into, yeah. like, beautiful stuff. Yeah, true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah, so no, uh, that's, that's those people think- born after, <laughs> born on 1987. Yep. 87 okay. and then what's and it, whatever 12 plus years is after that. is 12 years, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Okay, so the next animal that I have after Is the dragon. Is the dragon. So, 1988 kids. Mm-hmm. Um, dragon is a mythical creature, opens up to a lot of imaginations for the land of East. You know, the magical quality of dragon embraces in many folk tales and often symbolizes power people who are born in a year old dragon are told to be the ones that could change the destiny likely to take upon heavy work and responsibility their strengths are they're progressive and highly motivated they're generous uh high in filial piety is that the term um that we yeah, say that I, we're really respectable yeah, that, that, that word um fifal, i think it's how you say Fili- it filial fifal Fifal? I think it's Fifal. Yeah. Fifal, okay. Or f- f- yeah, Fifal. Because we never use it at all. Yeah. yeah never use it in only... English. Yeah, but it's only ever used when people talk about Asians. Yeah, like, that's it's right. It's only ever Asians right. who use that, that term, Fifal Piety. Piety. It. Piety. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it's just like. Um, it's not a Western term at all. Yeah, it's not. Like... It's like, yeah, it's such a fucking Eastern term. It is like just basically. Um, yellow people um, slavery <laughs> that's what I think it is it's like you owe your parents a duty parents is du- yeah, yeah the duty um, to, that's right to yeah, do yeah, something yeah. like it's uh-huh. just it's it completely it's completely rooted in Confucianism this uh-huh. idea of fivefold p- yeah. piety or however you say it yeah I think that term is specifically designed for for Asians for oh, Asians yeah. Yeah. yeah okay and they're also good with money they're very wise knowledgeable talented um their weaknesses are um impatient they sometimes they can be domineering to other people and very mm-hmm. stubborn the last one that is totally i can say that this is resembles to one of my child my child who is born in the year of dragon uh they're very competitive and cannot admit defeat <laughs> well i know my da- our dad is a dragon it's the only dragon yeah. i know Aya yeah. is a dragon as well. So. Oh, is she? she yeah. When is she born? 2013? She's born in 2013, but she's born oh, okay. at the very end of that Lunar New Year. Right, so right. it might not appear as, you know, on the on on the Western calendar, 
but on the Lunar New Year calendar, she is born in the year of dragon. I just yeah. found that's mm. quite pay- quite that's it's just exactly her the impatient what, dominant. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> what about your son? What's 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 the year is he born? Two thousand five. What's that? He's born in the year of rooster. So we're twenty four oh, years like apart. You. Yes. Oh wow, that's nice. That's yeah. very nice. Um, okay. And the, well, Finally. we're only yeah, uh-huh. we're going to go have time to do six today, uh, and we're going to do cover the other six next episode. Um, but the last animal we're going to look at this year, uh, this, this episode, episode. <laughs> is um, those people born in nineteen eighty nine. Is that right? Yeah, and afterwards and before twelve years, um, it is the uh, snake. It is the animal of the snake. Uh, snake. I know my mum's mum is a snake. She always told me. That. Oh, is she? Yeah, Amma. Yeah. Amma. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. Uh, Nineteen fifty-three cool. minus twelve. That's when Amma mm. was born. I think. Okay. So nineteen forty forty-one. Yeah. Oh, thank God for your maths. Forty-one. <laughs> yeah. So snake is the most tenacious animal among all the animal zodiacs, and the most mysterious and pre- unpredictable. Some Eastern cultures believe that snakes represent insidiousness and unpredictability, which creates a lot of fear for others. But they do have a lot of strengths, like they can concentrate for very high at high intensity for high like for a long period of time. They're very responsible with their work, and they have ex- excellent uh, hand-eye coordination for crafts and things like that which I think is interesting. Um, they're very agile thinkers. They're f- very energetic and easygoing. So this, this, these snakes, snake people sound like a lot of fun. Mm. Um, uh, their weaknesses, however, they sometimes can be narrow-minded and suspicious of others, and so it's hard for snakes to trust other people. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. I, I, I don't think I remember my ama very well, so I can't say I can vouch for all these traits about her but um but yeah these things are all very interesting all, all these things are like like when we look at astrology you take it with a grain of salt yeah yeah of course it's something fun to look at it you know exactly you, you kind of pick oh, what kind of traits that they say is resembles you and then you debate oh that's not really me <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly <laughs> Do you think you're a rooster at heart? Uh, I think well, we, so. We'll look at the rooster yeah, next we'll week. Yeah, we'll look at the rooster we'll next week. Talk about yeah, it. Because that's right. um, my partner was born in 1991, so I don't know which zodiac sign that is. I think, uh, it, I think it's something we'll cover next week. Okay, yeah, yeah. So we want to con- do the uh, shout-outs to the Asian artists for Lunar New Year promotion. Um, if you haven't listened to our previous episode, last episode, we talked about how we want to present some of the artists from the Asian backgrounds who are doing Lunar New Year promotion on their art- artistic works. So this week, first up, I have Claire from Claire Create. Claire is a Chinese-American creative artist based in San Francisco. Having grown up and struggling with her identity, she's now proudly incorporated her background and culture into designs at Claire Crate. Her illustrations are so heavily influenced by her everyday experience and childhood memories, whether you be sipping on the apple cider with a parent or peering through the glass windows of Asian bakeries in San Francisco. She also dabbles in jewelry making that are simple but unique. Claire has done a super adorable design for the year of Tiger sticker sets. So please have a look through her store, store online and you may use our listeners' special call Asian B down under 10, they all capital letters, uh, for 10% of purchase on Etsy. We, of course, will have all the sh- links on our show notes. And then next up, uh, the artist we want we like to shout out to is Lindsay of Single Sprout. Single Sprout is a haven for stationary fanatics with a love of cute and adorable corgi flair, handcrafted in Pacific Southwest and inspired by our own Asian American culture, and heritage, and upbringing in Hawaii. When the station uh, collector Lindsay Reed brought home a Corgi Emmy, she didn't know her life was about to change. She was inspired to take her passion for creative arts, the love she had for her Corgi and the dreams of being her own boss to create items that could be shared with everyone. 
Kim Si's art is influenced not only by her corgi but also by her experiences growing up as a mixed Asian American. Growing up in a household that was backdropped by immersed Asian and Pacific Islander heritages that encapsulated Hawaii. Lindsay brings her own perspective to the table as someone who oftentimes is unable to identify with just one Asian heritage group. With parents who are culturally diverse in both blood and experience, Lindsay hopes to channel that same culture and energy back to her art. Single Splute is a corgi-themed sticker and stationery shop focused on bringing our favorite fluffy friend into our everyday lives. All designs are digitally designed from the home away home in Seattle, Washington. They pull the inspiration from our everyday lives, their history and their community. Items are handcrafted to best of their abilities and they work with other small businesses across the US to bring you the best quality products possible. So, thanks to Lindsay, uh, she has offered uh, our listeners a one-time 15% off discount code as well. If you like, please visit her store, check out her Instagram page as well. Use the special code that she's given us, ABDU15, for 15% of the entire order. Okay, so... In continuation of offering the platform for young artists, I'm honored to speak to the two very talented and absolutely amazing Sophie and Dominic about their upcoming debut uh, play, Misk, the show which will be playing at the King's Cross Theatre in February. I have had the pleasure of listening to them, sharing their experience, navigate their love of performing art with their identities and encourage artists to take the plunge as well as parents of kids who are into creativity to support their children. So without further ado, here is my interview with Sophie and Dominic from MISC. Yeah, fantastic. First of all, thank you so much for joining in today. Can I get you two to introduce yourself first, you know, like your background, if you want to talk about your family, um, maybe your qualification and experience? Yeah. um, Should we start with you, Sophie? Yeah. Um, Hi, my name is Sophie Teo. I am Malaysian Singaporean, half Australian. I graduated from the Academy of Film, Theatre and Television with an advanced diploma. And a couple of my credits include playing Shirley from the theatre production of Bobbing Up, directed by Anthony Skews, um, uh, playing Cleopatra Mm. in Antony and Cleopatra, and, yeah, just a couple of short films here and there. That's wonderful. How about you, Dominic? Um, Yeah, hi, I'm Dominic Perdue. Um, I'm Filipino-Australian. I grew up in Manila, um, Mm. so I was there until I was... uh, 18 and then I moved Uh here six years ago I think now um got a degree from the University of Sydney that I don't use um also (laughs) who doesn't I mean um and I also graduated from the Academy of Film Theatre and Television um the same year as Sophie Mm -hmm. um some of my credits include I did a couple of plays last year after graduating I was in a play called um five lesbians eating a quiche as part of Mardi Gras which was really fun and I also did a play called um significant other at the new theater directed by Hayden Tanazi wow that's wonderful both of you sound Mm -hmm. very experienced like sounds like you (laughs) wanted to be in the performing art industry at the very beginning because i know some of the asians that i met have uh, that are in the performing industry right now they say they change career course throughout their life Mm -hmm. sometimes they don't start performing art first so my next question would be that what prompted you to want to pursue your career in the performing art industry Mm. yeah Yeah, that's so true actually I didn't think about it like that 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 is very true um well I was so lucky because um I don't know I think I think my passion for acting started when I was in year seven and Mm. I would see all like the year year 12s and the year 11s doing their HSC performances and just got me so excited it was like the coolest feeling seeing an audience be moved by just one person on stage doing like a monologue 
Mm-hmm. I think that was really, really great. And yeah, that's so true. I was, I was pretty lucky. My family was really, really supportive. Um, mm-hmm. As soon as I wanted to be an actor, they were like, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Has your yeah. family, is there any, sorry, I'm just going to ask Sophie. Um, yeah, no, yeah, go other um, family members that's already in, you know, in the entertainment performing art industry? Um, so I've got three older sisters and they're not in the performing arts industry, but they're all have taken like a creative uh, um, path yeah. mm-hmm. to life, which is um, really, except <clears> for one, I think my old eldest sister, she's more in the medical industry now as well. Um, but yeah, um, my sisters did, my sisters did do drama in school. And I think that's another thing that inspired me to do it, um, mm-hmm. seeing them doing, but yeah. That's amazing. How about you, Dominique? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know where I started wanting to act. I can't really remember a time where I didn't want to act. I started out as a dancer. I did a mm-hmm. lot of dance at school and I just really loved the feeling of, um, being on stage and mm-hmm. entertaining people, and um, and I, I had my school had a really fantastic um, performing arts program, so we got to travel around Asia and stuff, like oh, learning okay. different types of theater. Like we learned a lot about Asian theater, actually, um, and it was a great foundation after I graduated. Um, yeah, same as Sophie. I've been really lucky. My my family's been very supportive. I think my mom. I actually chatted to my mom about this last week and I asked, cause I knew that this question was coming and I asked her, I said, if it weren't, cause my dad has always, always been like super, super supportive, mm-hmm. but my mom has always been a little bit more hesitant just cause it's such an unstable, you know, it's every Asian mom's worst nightmare. <laughs> um, and, um, and I asked her, I said, you know, if it weren't for dad, um, how would you feel about, me being an actor and she said I I wouldn't have encouraged it if it weren't for your dad because it's um wow. it's not some like it's yeah it's not something I'm used to I you know I don't think any of her friends have um kids who are in the same industry mm-hmm. but she's come around she's very much come around she sees how happy it makes me and she's been nothing but supportive since then so oh that's yeah. great yeah speaking of family what do you think is that like the major um I shouldn't use the word stress, but what's a concern? What's a main concern for, like, say, Asian parents mm. that they worry about their kids getting into performing work? Um, I think for for my dad, because my dad's the Asian side of the family, he has gone into medicine and his family has always said, his mum has always said, if you don't go into a career like medicine um, <laughs> or, like, engineering or a lawyer something that produces a lot of money then you'll never be able to support you know Mm. us or Mm. anything so I I'm very lucky that my dad has been supportive but he was kind of similar to Dom's mom where he was always like are you sure you sure you want to do acting that's you know a bit (laughs) unstable but I love you I love you and I'll support you (laughs) yeah Yeah, I definitely I I, sorry Helen um I definitely think it's a mentality I think it's such a I think they all rile each other up like I think my my mom has all of these friends who you know their kids are you know in the tech business or they're lawyers or they're doctors or whatever and I think she gets quite and she sees them on a certain path and she's like my, I feel I'm worried for my kids and I think with her as well she was like she always she always says to me she says um we've been able to provide you with a certain way of life and you're used to this and we want you to be able to continue that. And I think that they just, they really just feel like the best way to do that is. Yeah. They just, I think they really just want the best, but in their minds, the best is lawyer or doctor or, you know, one of those career paths. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think changing the mentalities for parents is still a little bit difficult. It's like stepping out of your comfort zone. And I'm so like, I get emotional talking about it. I think it's like you, I don't, I shouldn't be calling you kids, but I'm I'm a lot older than you, but I'm saying (laughs) that, um, you know, seeing the, the generations coming up, um, really breaking out the stereotypical ideas of career paths. It's an amazing thing yeah. to do. And, you know, it takes a lot of carriages for you guys as well. 
Yeah, you know, I've got kids myself. I've got a teenager. I've got an eight-year-old, and they're the same, similar identity as you. They're you know half mm, Asian, half yeah. white, and yeah, I'm seeing like I get a lot of challenges um, from being a parent of mm. kids, you know the, in this generation, and I just love seeing you, you guys, taking upon the challenges and just really you know going through for it. It's an amazing thing to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Thank you. So speaking of your identity, how do you think that your identity has maybe impact or influenced your perceptions about the industry? Like how, what do you think your identity could contribute differently to the industry? I think for me, when I was younger, I never really thought that my, you know, identity or like my cultural identity would have an impact on my career later in life. Um but growing older, it's just been such a shock because it's like everything in the performing arts industry is, well, most things is like what you look like, what stories you can tell, what stories you shouldn't tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's mm-hmm. just been such a, it definitely has influenced my perception of the industry because I, I have to now, you know, mould myself to be, to fit that mm-hmm. kind of expectation. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Tom? Um, yeah, same as Sophie. I never, uh, you know, I grew up in an international school, like being Filipino Australian was quite boring. It wasn't really something that anyone (laughs) thought twice about. And then suddenly I came to Australia and I was very, I had to explain myself so much. Like it became like this just recurring thing. And it wasn't, I would, I, I would never call it racism because I don't think it's racism, but it was just like a weird experience of like having to explain my identity every time Mm. and it's like and then when I would say it people would be like oh but like where are you like actually from and and until they got an answer that I guess they were sad is that they could understand then they would stop asking me questions but Mm -hmm. yeah similar to Sophie I've just never thought that it would be something that would influence the industry and it's it's kind of created a weird I guess, displacement about what, yes, stories we can and can't tell and Mm -hmm. what kind of characters we are allowed to, um, to portray. And I was reading an article about um, a half, I think she's half Filipino, half American woman who lived in America. And when the, the attacks, I think in Atlanta happened against Uh those Asian women in the salon. Mm -hmm. um, And she was saying that she felt like she couldn't, she wasn't allowed to, to grieve as much as, other like full Asians because because Mm -hmm. she's half and she doesn't feel like that's her grief to hold it's kind of the same with acting a little not not the same but like it's the same kind of displacement I guess that we don't know whether we're allowed to play the Asian characters Mm -hmm. because we were half white it's like a weird kind of even though we identify with those stories we yeah. like it's the question is whether is should we tell those stories and yeah, should we like be the claim. face of those stories yeah yeah like claim our culture mm-hmm. yeah only like half, I know in, we're only half allowed to <laughs> yeah we're only only half the roles um but I know like in the Philippines the entertainment industry is so toxic because they're constantly casting half white actresses and actors mm-hmm. like that's the standard of beauty and the standard I'm not I'm not saying that but like you know they 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 tend not to cast full Filipinos in celebrity roles or or Mm. acting roles because and it really messes with the psyche of most Filipinos because then the whole that's why there's such a big industry for skin whitening because they see these half white actors on screen and they're like well I have to look like that Mm -hmm. um but it's yeah, it's it's interesting because I do want to tell those stories, but it's it's I guess a question of whether I should because of because I'm half white. Ah, oh, I see. Yeah. Do you feel like um, I'm just assuming here because I don't mm. feel like sometimes I have the right to speak because I'm not I'm not like you know I'm fully Asian myself, but sometimes I mm. feel like yeah I can't speak for like I can't speak for my kids because their experiences is going to be totally different than mine. Right. And do you feel like there's a sense of that you can't fit in because I have certainly have kids. Uh, I have friends that are from you know multiple cultures and they grew up and they feel like they say that oh I don't feel like I fit into 
white, mm. predominantly white space. I don't feel like mm. I fit into the Asian community as well. Do you get a sense? Of that mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like for me as well, uh, because I don't look white at all, I um, you know, struggle with fitting in with that kind of community. And also because I grew up here, I was born and raised here. I don't know how to speak my native tongue. Like I, I, like my dad's side of the family has kind of had to throw away a lot of their cultural identity mm. to fit into Australia. Mm. Um, so I never grew up with, you know, a huge abundance of my culture around me. So even when I do, when I'm around my family or I'm around my grandma or um, if I take the odd trip to Singapore or something, I just feel so out of place there as well. Like mm. I cannot fit in anywhere really. Mm. I, I guess that's a little bit, it is very difficult, especially like yeah. our previous generation of immigrants. I'll say that even my parents really, um, they forced us to speak our native tongue. Yeah. But mm. um, at the same Good. time, we want to assimilate into Australian yeah, exactly. society because there's just an external push. Like when, you, when you're surrounded yeah. with, you know, white community, it's a bit hard to just maintain your own culture. Yeah. That's yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about uh, the production. So Miss, is mm. is it a short form miscellaneous or is it for something yes. else? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about the show? I mean, without giving up too much spoilers like what are your roles for the show like how did you two came up uh, the idea to create the production mm. um <laughs> yeah so misc is about <laughs> two female actresses both half asian um they are constantly finding themselves going for the same roles or being put up for the same roles just because they both fall under the category of ethnically ambiguous Mm. um when yeah so they're going for the same roles but have in their real lives they've got two completely separate cultures and through that they form this really beautiful friendship and um yeah they're both just trying to navigate their way through an industry that doesn't really know what to do with them mm -hmm. yeah I see well, how what's the what's the journey like to produce a show like this? is this the first show that you two work together yeah yeah <laughs> First, first show we've written, first yeah. show we've put on, first everything. Um, it's been insane. Like it's been, it's 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 amazing how quickly everything has happened. I think you know, Sophie and I started writing this less than six months ago, and now oh, wow. we have a full crew. We have a full everything, and um, we. We, yeah, we just have a full, we, uh, we have so many people who are invested in this and we're, you know, performing a season at KXT. Um, we've been really lucky, I think. We've been really lucky to be a part of this um, great festival called the Panino yeah. Pandemonium Festival because they've been so supportive. And so we were able to find such an incredible crew who, amazingly, we didn't find this crew. We actually, the show that we're double billed with found the crew and they all happened to be pretty much predominantly Asian women, which oh, was wow. incredible. Amazing. Um, incredible. So yeah. we have a fully, so everyone who just um, is on our kind of cast is Asian yeah. pretty much. Yeah. 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 Crew. yeah so which is. Team, yeah. So I guess the team knows, you know, this, certain culture sensitivities or you know what to do what not to do am i right yeah. yeah yeah definitely yeah, definitely yeah. i feel like as well we had our first crew when we had our first production meeting we did a read through of the play mm -hmm. and i ha everyone had turned their cameras off mm -hmm. um but dom and i were reading and then when we finished the play we um, everyone turned their cameras back on and some people were tearing up and oh. some people were laughing yeah, so was... much. Like everyone found something to relate um, their mm -hmm. story to. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Which is a really, really beautiful experience. Like that that was so validating for, for us. That's amazing. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think when Sophie and I started writing it, we were sort of realising that, you know, we've never seen a story like this on the Sydney mm -hmm. stage. You know, I think that there's there's so much great, Asian writing right now and great Asian plays being put on, but there's hardly really 
anything about like I guess the nuance of the Asian experience like because every we all mm. every Asian person particularly those who live in western cultures do have I guess um different connections and different ways of connecting to their culture that aren't necessarily seen on stage or screen um and so Sophie and I have really I think just by talking about our experiences and 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 that it's yeah, I think it's it's amazingly relatable to a lot of people, which is just like yeah, the best feeling in the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's amazing to know because we need you know, of course, to see more diversity in a lot of stories in the plays mm. and also faces as well because I want my kids to grow up and seeing people like you, oh. you know, on oh. stage and knowing that <laughs> they are not alone. You know, because yeah. um, I, I guess in the past decades, we've seen that the influx of immigrants, we've seen slightly rise of immigrants mm. on screen. But then yeah. you guys are the next generation, you know, like um, don't want to use the word mix, but, you know, you have a bit more inclusive yeah. feelings about it. And yeah, you have yeah. the right to talk about your experience as well. And people needs to know about it as well yeah that's mm. that's great yeah mm. um last question before that i would ask you to let us know and share the showtime date and location is that do you have any advice for young artists out there who are pursuing you know career in the performing arts or perhaps you would like to give us like parents like me um, who might have their kids who are seeking a career path in the um, performing arts? Yeah, um, I think for me, the advice I'd give would probably be everyone, no matter who you are, mm -hmm. has a story to tell or something to share with the world. And going into the performing arts, it's probably one of the best platforms that you can share your experience. And mm -hmm. that's what I've come to learn this year. And then for parents and it, for kids, totally pursue that. Just, you know, just mm -hmm. do it. Mm -hmm. And for parents, I would say um, just be 100% supportive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Supportive and listen to your kids and listen to the next generation because that's what's going to shape the world. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. How about you, Don? Yeah, I, 100%. My biggest thing, my biggest advice is write. Like, I think Sophie and I have, Sophie and I wrote this play because we weren't getting parts and because we weren't, I think we felt like casting directors don't really know what to do with us. So we we created our own characters who are half and half and who have those experiences. And it's, my biggest thing is just write. Like, I think, you know, everyone has, a, like Sophie said, everyone has a story to tell and don't try and like, I guess, put some sort of weird spin on it. Just tell it from the heart. Just tell your story yeah. and write and write your own shows because we've we really found like it's not that hard to put on a show. It's actually like yeah. annoyingly easy. <laughs> and, yeah. you just kind of, and when you're when you're writing something that you're so passionate about and that you really believe in as a story, then it like it translates in the work and it translates to the audience. And and that's 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 enough. Honestly, that's that's all you need. That's to for it to to resonate with people um and yeah for parents let your kids be creative I think like even I think everyone should be just a little bit creative I, I you know so many people that I went to high school with who go to who do corporate jobs they're so sad <laughs> like and, and they, just, they need like that release everyone needs that release sometimes and so we need we need yeah just let like be supportive of your kids let the, like even just let them do a one play let them do one writing class something like mm -hmm. that um because it's 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 so beneficial honestly yeah for sure and kids you know parents your kids are smarter than you think yes yeah they know what they're doing yes yes 100 yes. percent yeah i totally agree with that because i'm just seeing as a parent myself you know um i'm trying to kind of let go of the past parenting styles that mm, I kind of yeah. learned from my parents I'm trying to pick up the new ones and learning from my kids and I'm seeing how much they're gone through when they're growing up and I'm seeing how wonderfully that I'm speaking to you two today 
It's just, <laughs> yeah, it makes me my heart's warm, really. Yeah, it's oh, so amazing. It makes yeah. our heart warm too, honestly. Yeah. This has been such an incredible journey. Writing this show and meeting our crew and and telling and, and meeting talking, you yeah. as well. Like honestly, it's yeah, it's yeah, it's very heartwarming and <laughs> makes us very emotional as well. <laughs> oh, wonderful to know. Um, so, um, could you uh, share the share us the time of the show and where will be happening yeah so the time of the show is i think it's like two weeks away mm -hmm. now um yep. it's on the 7th 8th and 9th of february and it's going to be at kxt bakehouse which is um king's cross hotel mm -hmm. and where you can find tickets is www.panamo.com or if you follow us on Instagram, it's just misc.theplay and like miscellaneous.theplay and the ticket link will be in our bio. That's fantastic. Yeah, we encourage everyone who are in Sydney to go and get tickets and go and see the show. You know, we need diversity in all of the industries and we just happen to, you know, loving to promote our industry for everyone. Yeah. Well, yes. thanks again today. Thank you. Thank you, Helen. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. Wow, yeah, that's so great. And I would love to, you know, um, Helen's going to attach all those um, uh, businesses and creative artists and, uh, to our Instagram, check it out, support these amazing artists. Um, this time of the year is so so exciting for us anyone who celebrates us with an asian background is like it's it's really a time of like coming together and it's it's really great that we can share these with these amazing artists that um like helen said really we i mean when we were growing up we didn't have these kind of people no, doing these don't. amazing things That's or at least right. we didn't see them so mm -hmm. it's great that you know asian power asian creatives are getting out there and shaking their ass yeah that's amazing to know okay so that's the end of our episode remember to subscribe to our podcast on spotify google and apple remember to give us a five-star rating and welcome listeners to send us your feedback or any topics you'd like us to explore check out our updates on our socials and make sure that you share with your friends to help us to extend the visibility of asian bitches down under so thanks for staying with us so we'll catch you next week yeah um stay tuned next week for the other six animals Bye. Bye.